the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, what? It's cold out there. It's a good thing that I didn't blow the pilot light out because the furnace is on in the whole household. And uh, burr, a little chilly out there. Welcome to the uh, Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Hope that wherever you are, you're comfortable and uh, maybe holding yourself a hot mug of coffee or something to keep you cold on this chilly day. Kath, how are things with you? Is this the appropriate time in the show when I say I told you so <laughs> for the pilot light thing? Wait a second. Let me tell you something. It it wasn't you. It oh, was a, of listen, course it was it, a okay. listener. It was a listener. Oh, so now we're valuing the listeners I'm sorry. more than the co-host. It was a listener. And uh-huh. uh, uh, I think his name was Eric. Eric. Eric reached out to me and said, hey, uh, uh, John, don't turn off the pilot light. Mm-hmm. It's just enough to keep things dry, mm-hmm. and that is less corrosion. Yeah. So you hear that, and you kind of go, what, well. What was, what was the listener's name? Eric. Eric. Uh, I just want to say, Eric, I said that first. Yeah. Well, you didn't say. Here's, here's the magic words. Less corrosion. <laughs> A guy hears that, and he goes, mm-hmm. oh. Less oh, well, corrosion. Well, holy clearly, well, clearly, I, I should have, I should have used the word corrosion, I, and then I would have been taken seriously. Less corrosion. Who wants? I mean, I, I'm pro less corrosion. So you know what that is, Gary? It's a patriarchy speaking here in right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You're so right. It is. is. I'm sorry. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, but if, what it if, is. if you'd have used those two magic words, everything would have been fine. Anyway, yeah. Such is life. So for mm. Wednesday, well, the world continues to spin less corrosion or not. And as we always do at the top of the show, Kath takes a look at the news stories of the day. And would you will please, Kath, give us the top four at four. Well, yeah, well, for Wednesday, May 5th, 2021, the day after John Holt's birthday. Number one. The Washington Post reports that President Biden plans to address the nation today on the implementation of the $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package passed by Congress in March that included $1,400 per person stimulus payments, aid to state and local governments, and other measures. Biden's speech comes as drama continues to unfold over whether Representative Liz Cheney, Republican of Wyoming, will keep her number three leadership post among House Republicans in the wake of her continued criticism of former President Trump. And that brings us to number two. House Republican leaders did move quickly this morning to expel Liz Cheney of Wyoming from her leadership post for criticizing the former president as their number two rep, Steve Scalise of Louisiana, publicly backed ousting her and the top leader privately lobbied for a replacement. A spokeswoman for Mr. Scalise said he supported Representative Elise Stefanik, the New York Republican who has emerged as a leading contender to replace Ms. Cheney as Republican conference chair, which is the number three leadership position. 
According to today's New York Times, it was a remarkable show of force by the party's two top leaders to run out a once popular figure now deemed unacceptable by fellow Republicans because she rejected Mr. Trump and refused to absolve him or the party of its role in perpetuating the claims of a fraudulent election. Ms. Stefanik, age 36, has a voting record, interestingly enough, far less conservative than Ms. Cheney's, but is a vocal supporter of Mr. Trump. Republicans may move as early as next Wednesday to replace Ms. Cheney. Number three, Richard Rodriguez, who plays for the Pirates, in case you're saying, who is this person? He continues to impress. I mean, wow. Reading here from the Trib, the Pirates closer completed the equivalent of a reliever's perfect game, retiring 27 consecutive batters without allowing one base runner. It required 101 pitches over nine innings across eight games, and Rodriguez stuck, struck out six without allowing a hit, a walk, or hitting a batter with a pitch. He's six foot four. He's 220 pounds. He's pitched 23 consecutive scoreless innings and hasn't allowed a single run since giving up a walk-off homer on August 29th. Money in the bank right there. I mean, how about that's just absolutely crazy. I love it. Rodriguez has been so dominant this season, he's only given up one walk to Jock Peterson of the Cubs on opening day and one hit, a single to the Padres' Eric Hosmer on April 12th. So the Rodriguez streak of perfection actually is sitting at 28 consecutive batters. And number four, John Pierogies, as I've said before, do not belong on bridges. The Trib reports today that Cheese Chester, Sauerkraut, Saul, Jalapeno, Hannah, Bacon, Burt, and Oliver Onion will once again be participating in the Great Pittsburgh Pierogi Race inside PNC Park, and that starts Monday. Because, of course, COVID ruins everything. Up till now, the races have been taking place just in a really silly fashion on the Clemente Bridge. I mean, it's just dumb. Anyway, the news came hours after Governor Tom Wolf yesterday announced the lifting of many COVID-19 mitigation orders. And while Wolf's orders don't go into effect until Memorial Day, Major League Baseball eased some on-field entertainment restrictions, clearing the way for the pierogies to race where they're supposed to race, which is inside the park. Chief Chester himself sent out a statement on social media saying, we're back. And that's your top four. I would think donning a pierogi costume would be the ultimate face mask, right? It's a pretty big face mask. It's a big it's a body mask. I mean, I, I would imagine the whatever, you know, COVID whatever mm-hmm. is having a hard time escaping a pierogi costume. I think so. Right. You think. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we're in this like things were really weird before. Now they're like super Twilight Zone weird because right. there's a what the heck is going? Yeah. Let's just be done with this. Can we be done with this? With the COVID nineteen or with the pierogi race? Everything. I, I'm just like, no, don't you? I'm done. Look, with it. the pierogi race is sacred territory to me. Is it? Is because it, it's the pierogies. Well, right? yeah, of course, John. Yeah, right. And it's always interesting to see in the trip or the PG how they spell pierogi. Because right. they spell it different ways, and it's not consistent. It's not like the Trib always spells it one way or the PG. No, no, they they well, mix it up. Why is that? Are there are, are there different spellings for well, pierogi? Well, you know, I'm not exactly sure linguistically how this works, but in Polish, there are times when there's a Y and times when there's an I. Sometimes oh. there's an I E. I mean, it's and Poland. It is. I mean, it, it, we have so few vowels the in the Polish language. So few vowels that when we interchange them, I guess no one should blink an eye. <laughs> right. Anyway, God bless the pierogies at PNC Park. I oh, look forward also, to going. It's Cinco de Mayo. Okay, so what's the deal? Oh, happy birthday, Megan. Oh, and happy birthday, Megan. We love yeah, you. Yeah, Meg. 
what is the deal with all of a sudden Cinco de Mayo became a thing? What? Where, well, when did that happen? Th- I think it's been a thing. For a long well, it didn't time. happen. I mean, I mean, it wasn't a thing here. You know, you know, this is funny. You should bring this up. You know why I think it's a big thing here? Huh. About five or six years ago, Apple started including it in its calendar. So then it became a thing. And it showed up on everybody's iPhone. I seriously so, wait, think really? that that's part of the reason why Cinco de Mayo has become a big deal. All right, Steve Jobs. Are you celebrating Cinco. tonight? I'm not. No, oh, no. Air, uh, do we Cinco celebrate Mayo? Canada's independence? Um, do they have a holiday? I don't do they think. Have I don't think. Okay. They're, they're, because they're so polite in Canada, mm-hmm. they believe every day is a holiday. All right. Just checking. I don't know. Okay, so the Poles, the Canadians, the Mexicans... It's all here on the ride home, Cinco de Mayo, pierogi races, and the good-natured people from Canada. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, move forward into today's show. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Kath, our first guest for the day. Yes, Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor. She says evangelical sexual abuse, the crisis is the spiritual warfare of our time. Do you think so? We'll talk about it next. Wednesday edition, ride home. 101.5 WORD. What's the key to strengthening your marriage, having greater positive influence on your kids, and making your home a place of refreshment, joy, and genuine harmony? Get the answer and find the keys to maintaining family unity this week as John MacArthur looks again at The Fulfilled Family, the all-time most in-demand series on grace to you. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through June 30th. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That is windows Pittsburgh.com. Learning has definitely changed these days. What hasn't changed is the unwavering support parents received from their local Christian school. Many were quick to adapt to the new normal with remote classes taught by caring teachers who pray for students and their families every day. With many schools offering half-price tuition for first-time enrollees, like Eden Christian Academy in the North Hills, it's a great time to consider Christian education. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuition. 
Solutions. Light of Life's former CEO Craig Schweiger's career has always revolved around home. From federated mortgage in Pittsburgh providing mortgages for satisfied homeowners to bringing a new home for our city's homeless, Craig is now providing free education to seniors about reverse mortgages. Listen to Craig's show Home is Where the Heart Is, where mortgage meets ministry. Saturday, Craig welcomes Philip Spina, who's leading Light of Life's capital campaign, and you'll receive real facts about reverse mortgages for seniors. Home is Where the Heart Is, Saturday mornings at 7 on 101.5 FM WORD. Sexual abuse in the church was a dirty little secret for a long, long time. You think about probably hundreds and hundreds of thousands of boys and girls, men and women, who were abused sexually by pastors, priests, people that they loved, people that they admired. Well, the good news is, and if there is good news within this, that social media has really started to peel back or the cover of that abuse, and people are being held accountable. Well, Karen Swallow Pryor is with us to talk ex- exactly about sexual abuse within the church, and she wraps it around what happened to her several years ago. Dr. Pryor is a research professor of English and Christianity and Culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. She's the author most recently of On Reading Well, Finding the Good Life Through Great Literature. Karen, welcome back to the show. It's great to be with you guys again, even on such a serious topic. Yes, it is. Karen, you know, I'm not a person who suffered sexual abuse myself, um, but with enough friends who have, and of course, you know, what the internet affords to us, being able to read other people's accounts, um, it's a kind of trauma that, you know, is so um, deep inside the soul and the mind, not to mention the body, that it is um, inescapable. And, um, and so when we think about it from an outsider's perspective, it's hard to know how best to minister to that, to express compassion to that. It's just, it's, it's such um, a deep wound um, that oftentimes I feel overwhelmed by it. Uh, Talk about your perspective, Karen. And, and I wonder if that's maybe what you were thinking when you brought up your own, uh, you know, physical abuse history. Um, yes, well, I, I haven't had that abuse history myself, but what I, what I was, um, I mean, as far as, I mean, as far as your accident goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, you've had me on the show many times before I teach literature. And so I think I have this sort of, or had this illusion that because I read about trauma and I talk to students who've experienced it, that I could kind of understand it in an intellectual, intellectual way. And, reason my way around it. And, and I think I often thought and maybe even got frustrated with some people who've experienced um, trauma, even, even uh, the trauma of sexual abuse, that they could just, you know, just sort of reason their way around it. Um, but it wasn't until I experienced my own physical trauma through the accident that I had um, three years ago um, that I really understood how trauma works, that it, it, it's something that's, it, it's a bodily response that that you can't necessarily control, that, you know, there are responses that you can give, but it comes without your bidding or your, or your wishes or your, or your reasoning. And, uh, and there's no way to know when it will come. Um, there, there are things that are called triggers that I sort of probably thought uh, of more mockingly before I understood what they were from my own experience. And so a sexual abuse and trauma 
um, because as you said, it's so much deeper, it's even worse. And so I just feel like because I've had some physical trauma that I have an understanding of it that I never would have had before. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that's an understatement, uh, Karen. I mean, so three years ago, for our audience who, who are, do not know, Karen, our guest, was hit by a bus by walking across the street. And Karen, I mean, I can't imagine the brutality of those moments being hit by a bus. And in those intervening years, those three years, as you say, the memory, the sense memory, the physical memory, the emotional aspect of that trauma on your body and then you sort of elevate that to a different perspective of someone who was sexually abused, there is a very deep and hard intersection there between those two things, bodily, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Exactly. I mean, that, that is how trauma works. Um, there's a great book out there that I, that I read when I was recovering from my accident called The Body Keeps the Score. Uh, it's one that, that trauma experts and those who've experienced it recommend over and over. And Exactly as you said, it, it there's there's just a you know we, our bodies are physical, they're emotional, they're spiritual, they're intellectual, and we often talk about them as though we can separate them, and we really can't. And trauma really helps us to understand how much they are all connected. And of course, when you add compound a sexual component, it's just even more interwoven into our, our being. Mm-hmm. So Karen, as you've been going through the last years of your recovery and your rehabilitation, a lot has been happening in the world. And there have been a lot of accounts of abuse at the hands of people who publicly were acting like they were, you know, godly men, people who were acting like they were um, good and kind administrators. um, And it, of course, was a sham and it was shown to be so. Um, Talk about your ruminations as you were recovering and seeing all of this unfold. Yeah, I mean, of course, all of those events were happening just before my accident. My own awareness of them was growing. And so for me, it it sort of tied together. I was actually, you know, involved uh, in the unfolding of a particular case right in the middle of when I had the accident. I was attending a conference on women in the church because of the abuse issue. And so leading up to my accident, and then, as you said, even more afterwards, it's been it's been three years. And then it was the following year in 2019 that the Houston Chronicle did a huge uh, report, a multi-part report on the Southern Baptist denomination, my own denomination specifically, and the many, many instances of abuse and cover-up in that denomination. Of course, we're all much more familiar with the ongoing decades-long cases in the Catholic Church. And so these things just keep unfolding. And then and then, I, then after that, I found out about, you know, situations within my own institution where I was formerly employed that were just horrendous. So more and more keeps coming to light. And it's, it, it's devastating, but on the other hand, you know, I think we're all thankful that at least they aren't being hidden anymore. Right. So then it's interesting, Karen, to equate the trauma of being hit by a bus with the trauma of being sexually abused. And, you know, you were on this path, as you said before that, you know, you posted on your Facebook page a question to ask victims of sexual abuse how they had endured and what you needed to know. And then after you got hit by a bus, a good friend came to your hospital room and read scripture to you. 
And you took heart from that as well. So all these things coalesce into where we are now. And so three years after the fact, the ongoing sexual abuse crisis within the church, what is it that you're, what you've learned? What are you thinking about where those two things come together that could be a balm or panacea for those who are suffering some form of, of abuse, sexual and or otherwise? Well, one of the reasons that I, I've been able to connect my own accident um, with the ongoing abuse crisis in the church is not only because of how I understand trauma, but all, again, and also because of the, the reason that I was in the town where I got hit in the first place, which was, was related to abuse, but also just the way that um, my physical pain reminds me of the pain of, of so many in the church. Uh, Women in particular, not only women, but women in particular who have um, who have been abused or been ignored or been mocked. I mean, there's so many different levels of the kinds of abuse and mis- misogyny that we might talk about. And my friend who did this scripture reading and, and kind of saw in my injuries and in the looked at the, the broken bones that I had and what the Bible had to say about those bones really wove together a picture of how women in the church have been kind of thrown under the bus, to use that term in this context, and need to be healed and and remembered uh, back into the body. Um, And so there is just sort of a profound, not to to over-spiritualize it or make it overly mystical, but um, there are there are connections between the physical reality and the spiritual realities and, and things like this can point to these spiritual truths that are, you know, that we don't see because they aren't visible, but in a way they really are visible if we will only see them. Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor is with us, research professor of English and Christianity and culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, Karen, you say that the sex abuse crisis is the spiritual warfare of our time. Um, You think that's true? Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, of course, there are so many, so many issues that are, that are really, I think, are, uh, are pointing us to the spiritual warfare that's going on right now, not just between the church and the culture, but within the church itself. And I, I just, I, I've come to see that sexual abuse is probably just the, the most evil, satanic thing that can happen because it's not only an attack on the image of God, but it's an attack on the very thing that God uses in his goodness to create his own image. And so when that is perverted and abused and and destroyed, it's an attack not only on human dignity, but on the very thing that God has designed to create his image and to, you know, to fill the earth with his, with his glory. Yeah. So, so I wonder, Karen, you know, because things have changed in the last few years, there has been a more openness, like, look, we're talking about it right now on the radio. Uh, This would not have happened probably a decade or so ago. People would still be involved in, you know, their, their fear and their shame. So it's like every person who suffers physical trauma, or even has an operation. I mean, physical therapy right now, PT, is as common as rain. So I wonder, Mm -hmm. you know, after this reveal that's been happening, will the church, I mean, is there hope that the church somehow has 
spiritual PT and for people of abuse? I mean, is that a possibility that the church is transparent, that this is spoken from the pulpit mm-hmm. and all the way downstairs, you know, in the um, community rooms where people gather for potluck dinners, where this becomes a common conversation and there's not the fear and the shame that has enveloped the church, of course, in the past? You know, I really do have hope. I mean, as you said, we're having this conversation now. Um, mm-hmm. As you mentioned earlier, social media has, has a big part to play in helping people find and support one another. Um, because so often when these things happen, victims and survivors feel like they're the only one. And, and so they are quiet about it. But there is strength in uh, in finding mutual support and finding that one is not alone in this. So I do have hope that 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 as these things are revealed and as we better understand um, what we recognize that they're going on and we better understand how to deal with them, that we will see a change. Now, you know, I've studied history and church history long enough to realize that, that these big changes come around every few hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we have to be we have to be diligent. We have to keep working on it, but we also have to be mindful that that change doesn't come overnight and that if even if we don't see change in a year or a decade, we can continue to be faithful because we know that the church is eternal and if the Lord tarries, there will be another 500 years and the work that we do now will will shape the church that exists 100 or 500 years from now. So yeah. it's important. Yeah, I agree. I think that's wise. Um, one last question for you, Karen, only about a minute left. Um, I'm sure there are people listening to the program who are like, you know, rolling their eyes. Oh, the sexual abuse thing. It's just so overwrought. I mean, I'm sure there's some of it, but this is like way too exaggerated and people talk about it way too much. Um, what would you say to that? I would say, and I, you know, I think I've learned a lot in the past few years is, and that is to just listen and see and ask uh, the people around you there it, it's so common that the chance that there probably is someone that we all know who's experienced this whether we realize it or not and we just have to be the kind of person that they are not afraid to come to um mm-hmm. and when we become that kind of person then we learn so much more than we ever knew before that's dr karen swallow prior Her latest book is uh, On Reading Well, Finding the Good Life Through Great Literature, also the co-editor of Cultural Engagement, a crash course in contemporary issues. She's contributed to numerous other books, including the commentary on Frankenstein that John Hall has his face in right now, Karen. (laughs) It's fabulous, Karen. (laughs) We'll have to talk about that sometime. (laughs) Yes, please do. Yes. I've been talking about it on air over the last several weeks here in any number of uh, outlets. So really great stuff. Listen, the the essay that uh, we're talking about with Karen about the the abuse in the church at Religion News Service, where Karen is a new contributor. You can look at that uh, Religion News Service online. Karen, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you both. Take a quick break. Come back. Uh, How about the weird photograph of uh, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter with the Bidens? I mean, something was really strange going on there. We'll talk about that next. Heading into spring, I've been spending a lot of time pondering, analyzing, and debating something extremely important to men, and even many women, and that's whether a new driver would improve my golf game. I would say I'm somewhere between embarrassing and appalling at golf. 
but man, do I love it. And all my buddies show up with these epic flash, big Maverick Bertha drivers, and I can't help but feel like they've got this massive advantage on me and my persimmons. It's Ryan, and at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're proud to have a pretty special advantage ourselves, and one that can be a big deal for you. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company uses its own money and makes its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman, and this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We're much better at mortgages than I am at golf. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melbourne, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Attention homeowners. Are you looking for cash at a lower interest rate? Tired of paying high interest rates on credit cards? With the Figure Home Equity Line, you can use your equity to help you start saving. Rates as low as just 2.88% APR. Get approval in minutes and funding in as few as five days. Apply at figure.com and see if a home equity line is right for you. Figure out your finances at figure.com. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Call 1-888-819-6388 for details about credit costs and terms. Need life insurance but have diabetes, high blood pressure, or on anxiety meds? If you're a 50-year-old male, even porky, or with type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of life insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. For affordable term life insurance, call Term Provider and speak with Big Lou at 800-555-1509. 800-555. 555-1509 or visit BigLou.com. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds too. 800-555-1509. Don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Boo's 100% satisfaction guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Welcome back to Customize and Save with Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, the game show where you only pay for what you need. And we're out of time. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at WordFM.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Radio.com. In the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight we'll see patchy clouds with a low of 39, some sunshine tomorrow, then turning cloudy and warmer. Expect a high of 60. Considerable clouds tomorrow night with occasional rain and drizzle late, the low 42. Friday will be cool with clouds and breaks of sunshine. We'll see brief morning showers followed by a couple of thunder showers in the afternoon. Thunderstorms can produce small hail. We'll see a high of 54. With your Mackie Weather Forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. major benefits of the smartphone, and of course there are many, is that now, because everybody has a camera in their pocket, everybody is a photographer. And so you see incredible imagery, you know, all over the place. I mean, of course, Instagram, uh, you know, all the social media platforms, but just incredible images. So with that growth of imagery, people have become visual critics as well, right? Of course, you, you sort of have learned a new visual language. So when a photograph comes up that looks a little weird, it raises a few eyebrows and people who have learned this new visual language, they opine about it. 
So last week, uh, Joe Biden and his wife, they went to visit Jimmy and Rosalind Carter. Of course, the Carters, uh, they are very elderly people in their 90s. And a photograph was released on Monday by the uh, Carter um, um, Foundation of showing the Bidens kneeling next to the Carters. Now, if you look at this photograph closely, (laughs) the Carters... I mean, the, the Bidens are kneeling down while the Carters are sitting in some easy chairs in the Carters residence, a very modest ranch house that the Carters live in. Plains, Georgia. The Bidens look as though they are <laughs> towering, like the Carters in some way are ventriloquist dummies. But they're <laughs> tiny by comparison. Now, of course, as people age, you know, everybody knows this, you shrink a little bit, but the Carters are not diminutive people. Not I mean, this Jim, much. No, I mean, the Carters are five, Jimmy Carter's 5'10". Rosin Carter is five feet five. But if you've not seen this photograph, please do yourself a favor. It just, it belies the imagination. So (laughs) looking at the photograph, now professional photographers have opined about the disparity between the massiveness of the Bidens and the tininess of the Carters. And now apparently this illusion is used, is created because of a very wide angle lens in a very small room, along with a very powerful flash and the angle that the photographer chose to shoot the scene. All those things combine to make a really funny photograph. And of course, the wits online have taken that and they have transported that even to a weirder imagery. And of course, of online late night host, Jimmy Fallon and Trevor Noah and all those people, which I, I don't watch, but I, I wanted to see because they made fun of the photograph as well. It's a very strange age that we live in, is it not, Kath? I got to tell you, it's a cra- the picture's a crack up. It is a crack it up. It really is. And, you know, for anyone who's done, like, really bad Photoshop, because really bad Photoshop is very funny, right? If you're trying to be funny, right? So you, it, And so you're not caring about scale. And so, you, you know, you kind of paste something in there, and it looks ridiculous, and that's part of what makes it funny. That's what it looks like happened here, right? right. I mean, And it was Joe unintentional. Biden, Joe, Biden, Joe Biden looks like... He's a different species than Rosalind Carter. And poor Jimmy Carter. I mean, he looks like a little peanut man. He really does. Also, you know, they're sitting in in like, you know, easy chairs type of thing. And not like occasional chairs they're sitting in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so they're a little saggy. The chairs are because they look like they've been lived in for a long time. So they're even lower. I mean, everything about it is wrong. If you haven't seen it, you have to. And you have to go at it with a sense of humor because it. It cracks me right up. Yeah, it is very, very funny stuff. Anyway, uh, I guess there's some advantages of being visually astute, but also it bears a little bit of weight as well because you go, something is not right there at all. Not not right right. at all. Uh, Okay, we'll take a break. Uh, Who is up next, Kath? All right, coming up next, Dr. Tremper Longman. We're going to talk about Genesis 3. Dr. Longman is a distinguished professor of Old Testament. We've been talking about Genesis for the last couple months, and uh, he's going to tell us all of that three. Boy, a lot happens in that chapter. Uh, The happy subject of the fall. That's next. 101.5 WORD. Ahead this week from Chuck Swindoll. My dear friends, we're all inadequate until the Spirit of God empowers us with a calling and then over time begins to shape us into one who would be a worker in the harvest. Listen weekdays to Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. 
To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching at elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams, just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS, study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It It was was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I have have EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. On May 14th, fall in love with finding you. What brings you to Ireland, Finley Sinclair? I'm looking for something real. Critics are calling it a total delight. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Well, I'm excited. And the best romantic comedy in years. I can't wait to see it all. If you like Notting Hill, you'll love finding you. It's amazing. Finally something we can agree on. Finding you. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters May 14th. Dr. Trevor Longman is back with us. Dr. Longman is a, a Old Testament scholar. He's been with us uh, as a regular guest now for some time. He's also an author as well. His uh, latest book is called The Bible and the Ballot, Using Scripture in Political Decisions. But uh, these last several months, Tremper has really informed us deeply as we've uh, started to walk through Genesis. And uh, Tremper, welcome back. Today, you take us to a very brutal place, to Genesis 3, which is the fall. Now, I don't want to presuppose if people are just, you know, in their car or they're just finding us by pressing buttons on the um, on the radio and they find them, they're talking about Christian radio and Genesis 3 and the fall. Can you talk to us, Genesis, uh, Tremper, Tremper, about what exactly is the fall? Welcome. Hey, thanks, John. Uh, and uh, happy to. Um, Genesis begins with three pivotal passages. The first two talk about creation of everything. God creates everything, including human beings. And when human beings are uh, initially created and placed in the garden, they are morally innocent. They're living in a harmonious relationship with God and a harmonious relationship with each other and a harmonious relationship with creation. 
So Genesis 3 tells us why the world is messed up as it is and why we struggle in our relationship with God, why we struggle in our relationships with each other, and why we struggle uh, in our relationship with creation. And it's not because that's the way God made us, but it's because um, human beings choose to rebel against God and assert our own independence in a way that leads to our downfall. So so uh, it's often called the fall, um, partly, but I understand that as describing the fact that it's the fall from that original harmonious uh, existence that God created us for. All right. So the narrative, and the, the, by the way, I really appreciate that summation uh, on your part, Tremper. So the narrative goes, um, starts at the beginning that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that God had made. And so he spoke to the woman and said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, th- this is just the very beginning of the chapter, Tremper. There are so there are endless numbers of things we could talk about when it comes to Genesis 3. Yeah, right. um, but for people, again, like John said, who are unfamiliar with the passage, are thinking, okay, so now the serpent's talking. I mean, so, so what, what does this tell us? <laughs> well, um, well, first of all, I, you know, and this may, uh, especially for people who haven't listened in before uh, or have pre- uh, different conceptions of Genesis, my own view upon careful study of Genesis 1 through 3 in its original context is that it is talking about things that actually happened. I mean, there was this uh, assertion of human autonomy by creatures who uh, were in a state of innocence before God. But it's being described in figurative language that would have been well known to the people at the time. It's not like a video camera, you know, description of sort of straightforward history. And I know that's controversial. So, so you're, so you're saying it's not a you're saying it's not a documentary, Tremper? But right. it's also, yeah. but it's also not pure metaphor. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so people often pose the question: Is this straightforward history, or is this an allegory, or poetry, or something? And the answer is no to both of those. It is talking about things that actually happened in the past, but it's being described using figurative language. And in the ancient Aries, to get to Genesis three, verse one. It's not unusual, and we have other ancient theories from texts that describe evil as a walking serpent figure, uh, you know. And so, so, um, uh, so, uh, and if people want to see those references, they can take a look at my Genesis commentary. But, um, but the, um, but the idea is that, um, you know, there. And and I do think, and the New Testament, as we all know, identifies the serpent as Satan, the devil, personified evil. And I do believe there is a devil. And so if you want to think in terms of this figurative depiction, it's pointing toward, figures point toward reality, and the reality is the devil. And so um, in any case, notice the craftiness, the shrewdness of the approach, asking a ridiculous question. Is it true that God said you can't eat from any of the trees? Well, if they couldn't eat from any of the trees, they'd be starving. So the woman uh, rises up and she becomes the first apologist, the first defender of 
God by saying, of course, that's ridiculous. We can eat all of all the trees except this one. Now, remember in Genesis 2, I think it's verse 15, Adam was charged with being uh, the one who would take care of, and actually a better translation of that verb from the Hebrew is guard the garden. Mm -hmm. So they have this priestly task of guarding sacred space where humans and God can meet, and they fail at that. Her response, and Adam's response, by the way, Adam uh, is sitting around, we find out later, taking this all in. He's with Eve, but not even rising up to challenge the serpent. Her response should have been, you're ridiculous. Get out of here. We're not engaging you. Uh, but instead, she rises up, and then in the process, she also becomes the first legalist when she says, God says we can't eat of it or even touch it. And there's no place that says they can't touch it. But uh, That's and, so great. She so, became the first legalist. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, and legalism is the idea that, uh, you know, if something is forbidden, say, you know, extramarital sex, uh, you draw a fence around it by saying you can't even get close to it, so don't dance, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, um, so, so, and that actually seems to open her up in, uh, to the violation, you know, that, that um, the serpent speaks further and she grows emboldened and she probably, and of course the text, I'm reading a little bit into the text, but she might've gone up and touched it lightly and nothing happened. So she ate of the fruit and, um, and their eyes were opened. Now, interestingly, um, her eyes were opened. So, uh, well, remember, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They knew intellectually what good and evil was. God told them it was wrong to eat of the tree. But what they're doing is they're asserting their moral independence. They're saying, uh, they're saying I'm not going to live by God's categories of what's right and wrong. I'm going to decide on my own what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so um, that what that's the violation. That's the rebellion. That's what um, deeply and sadly affects humanity's relationship with uh, our Creator. So, of course, as Kathy said, Tremper, that there's you know a thousand and one stories and uh, you know narratives in this story that we could go into. But what yeah. about that? I mean, the the garden and the tree. Did God know that Adam and Eve were going to reject God? I mean, you know, there he put that, he put that right there for them, and the serpent was there. It, you know, was God playing the puppet master, or was this a surprise? I mean, all of a sudden, there we are. Now the, the world is ruined in some way. You know, that question, John, I'll, I'll pun a bit and say it's above my pay grade. <laughs> because the Bible actually doesn't address that. And I think it's above everybody's pay grade in a sense. Sure. Uh, and there have been countless discussions about that question. Here's what I could take away from the text, you know, um, and that is humans are responsible to make the right choices. Uh, and I do think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, so I, uh, I think, you know, that, and I, 
you know, and they're making the wrong choice here. I don't think it's like faded. It's not predetermined. It, uh, it could have gone a different way. Um, on the other hand, and the reason why I think one of the issues, and as I say, theologians have talked about this question since the early church, is it probably involves God's relationship to time, you know, which is different mm-hmm. than our relationship yeah. to time. To say, so to ask the question, uh, did God know? And if he knew, why did he go ahead and create humanity to begin with? Um, and so, um, so that's why I'm punting on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it- it's a big question, right? I mean, Trevor, we just big, really started to scratch. I'm not saying it's a bad question to ask. It's a good question to ask. I don't think we can answer it definitively. Right, especially within 13 minutes on Christian radio. I mean, it just it belies <laughs> that. So, so we've only got just a minute or so left, Tremper. Yeah. And I, I'd like to come back to this because it's such a gigantic fulcrum, the issue, of course, that you know humanity hangs in the balance of this. But, yeah. you know, from yeah. your perspective as an Old Testament biblical scholar, what what do we learn from the fall? What's an important takeaway that we can digest, you know, and, and think about this evening? Well, I think the most important thing, and I think the primary purpose of Genesis 3, which we cannot, we cannot learn any other way than through God's revelation, is that this frustrating, difficult, evil world is not the way God made it. Um, And if we do come back to it, which I hope we do in next month, and talk about, say, God's reaction to this, uh, we're going to see that besides bringing punishment, he's also going to be extending uh, grace and redemption. And so, um, so I, I, I think we can answer that question even uh, even more expansively uh, after we take a look at the second half of the chapter. Sounds good. Well, we look forward to that. Thank That's you, Dr. Tramper Longman, a distinguished scholar and professor emeritus of biblical studies at Westmont College in Santa Barbara. His latest and most timely book is The Bible and the Ballot, Using Scripture in Political Decisions. Thank you so much, Tramper, for being here. Thanks, Kathy. Okay. I mean, that's a big question. I look forward to this deeper discussion. Yeah. Of course, uh, you know, if you're fortunate to be in Sunday school and to have, have biblical scholars in your church, you dive deep into that, uh, I think, uh, hopefully on an annual basis with a, a bunch of uh, friends all around the same text. We'll take a quick break. Come back. What's in your pocket if you're a guy? I mean, you, you know that, right? What about women? What about their pockets? We'll talk about that next. Don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Booze 100% Satisfaction Guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. 
The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your account into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Jubilee Christian School in Mount Lebanon is teaching kids the way they are wired to learn. Kids love Jubilee because their award-winning integrated curriculum offers lots of hands-on learning. Parents love Jubilee for the opportunities to be involved and the open communication they have with teachers. Tour the school each Monday through May 24th and find out all there is to love about Jubilee Christian School. Now enrolling K-6 through grade. Imagine. Believe. Achieve. Visit jubileecs.org slash visit slash tours. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy Show, you will find it archived at secklerlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Okay, so you're a girl like I am, and you're going to the mall, and you've got a pair of jeans on. And, you know, one of my favorite pairs of jeans, which I got at American Eagle, um, I go to put, you know, my my Blistex or Chapstick, which I always have with me, in my front pocket, Mm -hmm. except there's no pocket. There's no pocket in your jeans. There's no pocket. There's a back pocket. There's not a front pocket. Now, let's extrapolate. So you're going to church for Easter, and you go to put a tissue in your pocket, mm-hmm. except your dress doesn't have a pocket, okay, because then you don't do that. Or if say you're going to uh, get married, your wedding day, or it's the prom, or you're going to some event, like say you're going to a night at the opera. I guarantee you, if you bought your dress before the last two years, there's no pocket. Yeah, but you don't have a pocket, but you do have a pocket book. Well, you do. That's that's an interesting word. I never use that word. Interesting that you would use that word. Um, so yeah, you can you can take a purse with you. But here's the thing: if you're going to the mall, do you really want to? I mean, like you know, I would pocket just book? like a pocket. Right. So why don't pocket? designers have pockets well, in women's clothing? Well, because they make your hips look bigger. That's the number one reason. Oh, it's a, an aesthetic choice. Oh yeah. 
Okay, so guys don't really care. No. When you see guys, they like jam like, you know, a dresser drawer in yeah, their pocket. They don't, you know, it's big and bulgy. It's fine. But women, they're interested in the aesthetic line of the fabric and the right. flow of the right. whole look. Mm-hmm. All right, well, God bless women. Listen, women Birds deserve they pockets. Carry. So, but the designers now are investing in nice dresses with pockets, really? in okay dresses with pockets. I mean, pockets are becoming like a welcome addition to the female wardrobe. <laughs> Who knew, right? It's the rise See, you, of the pocket. If you guys would just ask me these questions more, I could tell you so much. Right. I like to have myself a hot pocket. Uh, maybe I'll do that during the break. The ride home with John and Kathy, the 5 o'clock hour, straight ahead. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh. To hear us there, we're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart. Tune in and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Former President Trump will not be returning to Facebook for a while. The Social Network's Oversight Board voting to uphold his ban from the platform after his account was suspended four months ago. Meanwhile, Texas Senator Ted Cruz describes the former president as being in great spirits after paying a visit to Mr. Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. Senator Cruz tweeted a photo of himself alongside Mr. Trump, along with the words, he's in great spirits. We spent the evening talking about working together to retake the House and Senate in 2022. Cruz is one of the only two GOP senators who opposed certification of the 2020 election results, citing evidence that election fraud may have given the edge to Joe Biden in some districts. He's also one of a handful of GOP hopefuls likely to seek the party's presidential nomination in 2024. Bob Agner And on Wall Street, the Dow had 183 points, and the NASDAQ is up 21. This is SRN News. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax. Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com. 
code 3388. Enjoy! Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. The world has changed a lot over this past year. If you are turning 65 or currently on Medicare, Assurance can help you get confidence in knowing you have the health care coverage you need. Chat with a licensed insurance agent for a free no-obligation Medicare Advantage plan consultation with Assurance at 1-833-381-1599. That's 1-833-381-1599 or Assurance.com slash radio. Together, Assurance can help recommend a Medicare Advantage plan that's right for you. Tonight we'll see patchy clouds with a low of 39, some sunshine tomorrow, then turning cloudy and warmer. Expect a high of 60. Considerable clouds tomorrow night with occasional rain and drizzle late, the low 42. Friday will be cool with clouds and breaks of sunshine. We'll see brief morning showers followed by a couple of thunder showers in the afternoon. Thunderstorms can produce small hail. We'll see a high of 54. With your Mackie Weather Forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Never in my long life, against uh, my best wishes and repeated efforts, uh, you know, you, you're shopping in a bookstore or, you know, you see these leather-bound diaries, right? Right. And I think, oh, I'm going to buy one of those. And I'm going to start to write in this. I must, I'm seriously, I must have, I don't know, five, six of them. My kids gave me one. My kids gave me a really beautiful one years ago. And one of them found it uh, a couple of years ago and showed it to me and shamed me and said, Dad, we bought this for you. You didn't write in your diary at all. <laughs> you didn't write in your diary at all. I was like, well, the diary's a thing. I mean, people people love to write. Remember the old bread song? Remember bread? I found a diary and beneath beneath a tree and started reading about me. Yeah. I hate Remember that, that song? song? I found a diary. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's the yeah. worst band in history. No, bread. I mean, Next to the doors, <laughs> just the single word, which is the no, no, disputed no. worst band. Don't run down that rabbit hole. <laughs> anyway, there's a story about a woman during the pandemic who started to write in a composition book, you know, those black and white composition yep. books we've mm-hmm. all used and seen, of course. And she started to keep a diary during the pandemic that, you know, she thought, well, I'll, I'll keep this diary. It might help me sort out my tangled feelings. But then she, this woman, her name is uh, Kira, Kira Perlet. She decided to put the diary in the mail, send it off to a stranger and then say, you write in the diary as well, and then put the diary in the mail and send it off to another stranger. Well, now I believe there's someone, Kath, um, somewhere in the form of, I think, 15 of these diaries that have circulated the globe. One woman after another has written a few pages. Fascinating story, isn't it? 115 women. 115 women. 
Yes, 115 women have signed up to participate, and there are seven marbled notebooks that have circulated in various locations from the U.S. to Australia, Canada to South Africa. And it is a growing group of people. So um, Kira Peralte found her first contributor, reading here from the Washington Post, on a Zoom conference for entrepreneurs during which she mentioned her diary idea. And a woman from North Carolina was like, wait, I think that's really cool. I think I'd like to write in that book. Now, what's cool about it, I'm not sure if you mentioned this or not, John, is the fact that it's handwritten. Yeah. So not only are you reading what someone's thinking, but, you know, like I, I handwrite very, like I handwrite my checks. That's about the only thing in my life that I handwrite. Oh, really? What do you mean? Yeah. I'm terrible with handwriting. Well, what about I'm, your notes? Aren't you taking notes and things like that? During oh the yeah. My, my notes for the show. Yeah. I do, you know, I do handwrite those, yeah. but like, no, I'm not sending people letters. You know, I'm not right, really right. good with cards. I'm just kind of lousy when it comes here's, to that. Here's my, here's my handwriting right there. My notes. Right? Yeah. That's are those the notes for today's show. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to get confused at several points, Gary, based on what I've just seen. (laughs) So just get ready. Anyway, uh, from there, Kira Peralte wrote a medium article. That's not the size. That's the the site is called medium in an effort to recruit more women to get involved Mm -hmm. and word spread. And so she created a website so the participants could easily add their names to the queue, right? That's the way it is. So each person is allowed to keep the diary for three days fill as many pages as they wish with whatever writing or artwork they choose, something that's supposed to be how I've survived or the kinds of things I'm thinking or the kinds of things I've struggled with during the COVID era. Some wisdom. Some wisdom, or maybe not. Maybe it's just questions. It doesn't necessarily have to be wisdom. It's just kind of like, this is what I'm working through. And then they're responsible for mailing it to the next person who uh, Kira Peralte provides address-wise. Okay, now I did not know that there was a website on this. Now, do you know, yep. is the website handy? Do you, mm-hmm. Can we go there and take a look at the, uh, the, the yes. Traveling Diary? Probably it's right. The TravelingDiaryTour.com. Okay. That's T-O-U-R. The TravelingDiaryTour.com, a sisterhood of stories. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice website. All right. Very, very nice right. website. Now, if that came to you by happenstance, I would handwrite in it, but I would have a hard time doing it in three days. It would be the last night and I would remember it and then I would feel badly about it. And then I would have to stay up until three in the morning. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe if you listen to some bread, that will put you in the mood. (laughs) I don't think I don't think listening to bread puts me in anything but a bad. (laughs) I think I've got a bread vinyl somewhere in my collection. I really do. (laughs) I mean, it's the. Is it important also to say that Uh-oh, it's, it's it the dumbest name for a band that you could Bread. possibly find? I mean, no, there's like a kind of band How hard names. do you have to try to yeah. come up with a band name and have it be Bread? Bread. Now, Gary Dixon, uh, spinning the hits for many, many years. Gary, did you play some Bread yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Many did times. David Ga- did you meet David Gates himself? No, he's one of the ones I didn't meet. No. Are you sad about that? Yeah. Uh, no, not at all. No. I did, I On a scale of one to ten, rate Bread. I, I would give Bread a solid... Point five. Six. six. Maybe I'd give him a six. Five or six, yeah. Five or six, Gary. Good. Mm-hmm. Kath, what are you saying? Oh, point five. It's not as bad as the captain in Tennille. So there You're you right. go. That's there a good go. point. Right. That is a good <laughs> point. That right. is a very Which good I played point. a lot more. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Because love will keep us together. Right? Yep. That's right. It wasn't the love will keep us together was a problem. It was the muskrat love. Muskrat that's love. That was a word. That's when things bottomed out. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, Brad, I found the diary underneath the tree. Anyway, the tra- traveling diary well, website. Started, and started reading about me. It doesn't even make any sense. But then at the end, it's like that killer. You kind of go, oh, oh, wait a second. There's like this big reveal. 
Okay. I don't listen. Oh, to, it's right. Oh, I, don't I didn't listen to pop music to like. Oh, there's a moment. Psychological like, trauma by the guys from Bread. I mean, oh, what the heck? Anyway. Spare me. All right, All right uh, we're take a quick break. Come back. We're, uh, we're not going to mention bread on the show ever again today right. and ever. No, again. it's a solid six. Get out of here. Dean Weaver's with us in a few minutes. The post quarantine church. What does it look like? What does it act like? All those things. That's next. The bread edition. Five o'clock hour <laughs> here on the ride home. One hundred one point five WORD. Ahead this week from Chuck Swindoll. My dear friends. We're all inadequate until the Spirit of God empowers us with a calling and then over time begins to shape us into one who would be a worker in the harvest. Listen weekdays to Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll. Tomorrow morning at 830 on 101.5 WORD. If you're a radio listener, one thing I'm certain of is that you're not tuning in to listen to me. So I'm sorry about the next 45 seconds, but we have specifically chose this station because we think we're similar and we love for you to see why our mortgage team might be a good fit for you or someone you care about. One, we've got a direct lender advantage. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. There's no middleman, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. Two, our faith is a big deal to us, and we're open about that. If we seem like a fit for you, we'd love to talk. We are United Faith Mortgage. UnitedFaithMortgage.com. Nice. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Meadow Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Ryan Vrack, number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Learning has definitely changed these days. What hasn't changed is the unwavering support parents received from their local Christian school. Many were quick to adapt to the new normal with remote classes taught by caring teachers who pray for students and their families every day. With many schools offering half-price tuition for first-time enrollees, like Portersville Christian School in Portersville, PA, it's a great time to consider Christian education. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Hey, uh, big news. I had my second shot today. Boom. Whoa. Second shot, Johnny. Bring it on. Here comes the world. 
I'm back yeah, so, out So maybe circulation. tomorrow you're going to call me and like, I'm so sick. Oh, I don't think so. I'll be okay. Listen, what you the power of positive thinking is going to conquer. I feel good about it. it. Yeah, me and Norman Vincent Peel. I feel good about things. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm okay. You're okay, John. Okay, I'm taking the shot. I took the shot, the second shot. So, nice. I mean, the world awaits. It's, you know, right? The world is my oyster, so they say. And uh, okay. back at church, right? I'm going to go back to church and see everybody, uh, you know, you're going to come over for dinner? Don't do it tonight because it's, it's cold here. Yeah, can hang out at the Emmons household, cough on everybody, feel good about things. Just oh, spread great. spread my breath all over creation. That's really not what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> so what does it look like, right? I mean, what does the world look like, especially right, for people who have stayed away for the year or so, uh, who have not been to church? What is the post-quarantine church looking like? Well, Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver is with us. Dean Weaver is the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, co-founder of EduNations, here to talk to us today about that. Dean, post-quarantine, what are you thinking about? Well, hi there, John and Kathy. I'm just hoping it doesn't look like a place where you're spreading your breath all over the church. Thank that you. is very disturbing. Thank you so much. <laughs> you I, I really... Kathy, both, I've yeah. never felt your pain so deeply as as of right now. Thank you so much. There, there are um, a few moments when I when I've been more grateful to be working from home. Spreading my breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say, John, you can you can come and join me here in Florida, where, where masks are going away, and uh, oh, yeah. you know the gov- the governor has removed um, all, most of the COVID protocols, and uh, you know people are just kind of getting back to life. But we wonder, is getting back to life going to look like it did before? And I think there will be a lot of things that will look similar. But when it comes to the church, there are going to be a lot of things that probably should look differently. Really? Mm. Do tell, Dean. What are you thinking about? (laughs) Well, I mean, so let me me start uh, biblically and then get real practical. You know, one of the verses that I have been... Uh, meditating on and people smarter than me have been, you know, out there kind of shouting from the mountaintops for those who will listen is uh, from Hebrews 12 uh, verses 26 and 27. Just listen to the power of this uh, and then place it in our current context. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. And this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Mm-hmm. And I would contend that the last year has been some major shaking, um, not just of the entire world, but of the church as well. And uh, I think there are some things after this shaking that should remain. Uh, there's things that perhaps after this shaking should not remain, and maybe there's ways in which we should be thinking about doing church uh, differently. And, you know, there's that leadership action is never waste a good crisis. And we just come through one of global epidemic proportions. And if you come back with only the idea that I want things to be the way they were, then you may have just missed an incredible opportunity for things to be better. Um, and I think there's that opportunity in front of us. Mm. Okay. So how do we, um, is that the kind of thing that we cognitively recognize and uh, and live into or is this the kind of thing that's going to have to be revealed as we all just kind of get back into it and see what happens well i think you know it, it's people are looking at that right now kathy and and you know you don't really know something with clarity until you have a little more 
objective distance from it. But mm-hmm. you know, the things that are starting to emerge, and I'm going to point you to a resource that is a real easy read um, that will help orient people to what I'm talking about. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Tom Rainer, who's the founder mm-hmm. of Church Answers, and uh, he's just come out with a book called The Post-Quarantine Church, Six Urgent Challenges and Opportunities uh, That Will Determine the Future of Your Congregation. And they're studying right now things that have been that were kind of incubating during the, the quarantine period and are starting to emerge now as maybe new patterns um, that could be really helpful for the church. Let me give you a practical example of this. Okay, good. Dur- during the quarantine, because we couldn't gather the way we normally would gather, people started really amazing prayer movements. I mean, we, we prayed like we've never prayed before with a new sense of urgency. Sometimes that was, you know, for our friends and neighbors who got COVID or were out of a job or were experiencing, you know, a behavioral uh, crisis because of the isolation. Or I mean, there's a whole bunch of variables that have factored into kind of the upping of our prayer life. But individual congregations have said, well, if we can't get together uh, on, on Saturday or Sunday— Let's call all of our members and let's ask them how we can pray for them. And, and, and people have been doing prayer ministries via Zoom, prayer ministries online. Prayer ministries have exploded during the quarantine year because we, you can pray from anywhere. And the interesting thing is, is that prayer and a, a resurgence of prayer, if you study the history of revival, it has always been the forerunner to a revival in the church. Always. And so one of the things that should come out of the the quarantine is, okay, folks, don't lose your sense of urgency in praying. Now that we've been woken up to the urgency of prayer and that revival could very well be coming from this, pray all the more. Pray. pray. You found ways that you can pray. You don't have to necessarily come to your building to have, you know, a prayer meeting. You can do it um, online right where you are. That's one real simple, practical innovation out of the quarantine that can go forward yeah. into the post-quarantine church. And Dean, that's, of course, you know that. That's gigantic, right? I mean, uh, I, I see it in my own life, right? I played with two, prayed with two different groups of people that I'd never prayed before. One I'd never even met until, until the quarantine. I hope it continues on. So you can. You can be connected with other prayers around the world. So why, why should that go away now that COVID is going to go away? Right. So just as the, the Roman road system was used to carry with the Roman military to occupy and oppress peoples, it was also used, and for all other kind of nefarious purposes, it was also used to transport the gospel, right? Just as the printing press can be used, uh, was used for bad stuff, it's used for good stuff. All of the technology available to us, which can bring about so many horrible things, is being leveraged in ways that the church has been maybe forced to in the last year leverage for really good things. And, and, and so, you know, I think there's a whole new, and this is a really fascinating conversation that might be another day, but there's a whole new way of thinking, John, in that the digital is not a means to an end, but it's a mission field in and of itself. Like, in other words, mm-hmm. think about the digital community as a mission field, a place that you would go to, to, to bring the gospel. And, you know, Many of us are not going to be called to to leave home and go to the ends of the earth to serve. 
but you may actually go to the ends of the earth and serve missions digitally. And, and, and you're actually serving the ends of the earth right, right, right where you are because we have those means now. The earth has gotten real flat, real close, real fast. Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver is with us, stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and co-founder and former president of EduNations. Um, what do you say, though, to Dean, to people who are um, reluctant to buy into um, the digital world going forward, grateful for it, grateful for what it afforded us during a, a difficult um, era, but going, but you know, looking in the future, thinking, okay, we don't want to encourage people to stay home. You know, there's something different about being uh, physically in a church, being known, uh, being knowing others. Uh, it's you know, it's not the same interaction as if you watched a wor- worship service online. Well, I had a discussion with a guy about this the other day, Kathy, who is kind of an expert in this area. And what he tells me is that particularly with millennials and Gen Z, you have a better chance of leveraging those generations to become in person if you start digitally. So for them, it can become the front door, not the back door. For older generations, it's more likely to be. In, in older generations, it's more likely to be the back door, right? But for the younger generations, it actually can be leveraged as the front door. So we need to be thinking about digital ministry not as a, you know, a, a means to an end. We need to be thinking of it with a whole new vantage point of this is – and the question is not going to be being in person. The question is going to be what does engagement look like? Because I can have a person sitting in the pew of my church – or uh, and they're on their phone texting their friends, or they're they're zoning out because you know they didn't get enough sleep the night before, and they're not getting anything out of the service whatsoever. And a person who's online who's really digging in, engaged, and you know has an interlinear Bible open at the same time or something. I mean, so being in person is no guarantee. Is it better if a person is in person engaged? Absolutely yes. But I think if we start thinking about the digital ministry as a front door and not a back door that will orient the way in which you approach it. That can be really, really helpful for the church going forward. If you just bury your head in the sand and say, you know what, we did it because we had to, but we want to go back to the way things were. Um, I've got, I've got bad news for you. Uh, eventually, eventually that approach is going to lead to a church that's just going to decline and die. Right. The post-quarantine church. Okay. So Dean, um, that's good, right? So, um, Prayer, uh, whether in person or digital, or gathering, whether in person or digital, right? Post, post COVID uh, era. What else do you think is going to change? What else should we be looking for? Well, I think one of the things Rainer points out, John, is is a a, a new way of viewing your facility. Like there there is a theology of place that you, the church where you go is in such an incredibly strategic location, and the reality is. All of our churches, whether by design of ours or God's, you know, providential superimposing his design, we are where we are for a reason. And those churches, rather than being kind of a simply a gathering site for people who think alike and believe alike and, and you know, want to form and shape community together, that's, that's fine. But morphing those buildings into community assets and actually looking outward, not just inward. How does the building take care of the people inside of it? But how does the building serve people outside of it? Mm -hmm. Um, Increasingly, we've learned in the last year that we don't need a building to be the church. You know, 
you remember when we were kids, you know, when we put our hands together and fingers and opened the door, this yeah. is the church, this is the people, open the door, here's all the people. Well, we've yeah. learned that the people are the church. We knew that. But for the last year, we had to actually be that and realize we shouldn't be the church without our building. Well, then what's our building for? We don't go to church. We are the church. And so what is that building for? Well, the building's a tool. It's a resource. And what if we leveraged that resource for our community and its well-being and thought of it as a community asset, not just as something for the, for the, for the church itself to enjoy? That mm-hmm. is a paradigm shift because God has given us all these incredible facilities in such strategic locations that we can. And here's one of the big movements, I think, in the post-COVID church. I think we're going to go back to the community church. I think the succeeding generations, the, the Gen Z and, and millennials, they're actually more interested in smaller churches than they are in some of the big mega churches. It doesn't mean they, they won't go to the mega churches. There'll always be um, reasons why people will do that. But the smaller churches are going to gain a lot of traction if they're community based. They, they, they can't be closed systems that don't um, welcome in people from their own communities. They've got to be able to turn into their communities. And if they do that, these small churches, I think, could thrive in the post-COVID environment because their buildings are right there. They're, yeah. they're in the midst of the community, and they become a community asset. Then the community becomes involved, and I think those churches can really, really thrive. Right. I think you're right about that. I mean, but here's here's the – here you get a little bit of the good and bad here because when you're talking about a little church and we're talking about the digital era, those little churches don't have the same resources to put into a digital presence that a larger church does. And so they're operating in totally different, completely different digital realms. Right. And so, you know, it it may be that the little church um, does uh, a free zoom account and they put together a prayer meeting via zoom for people in their community. Or, or, or maybe they just simply have a, a page on their website uh, that says, you know, this is where you can put prayer requests. Or maybe they simply walk around their neighborhood and pray for people. And as people tell them what their prayers are, they come back and they, you know, uh, post some of those things in a way in which the community can access them, whether it's in something that's free online or whether it's just, you know, on a bulletin board in the community. Uh, there's innovative ways in which they can leverage the limited resources that they have, the free resources that are available. But I will tell you, if those small churches uh, are welcoming to people who are millennial and Gen Z, that's their native environment is, is the technology. They will find free, creative, innovative ways to get those churches a, some kind of digital presence, I guarantee it. Yeah. Dean, we've only got a minute or so left, but, you know, this conversation made me think of something that's happened to my family recently. Now, I think all of us are familiar uh, and um, know that Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, they come up and they knock on your door. Well, over the course of the pandemic, we have received, my son, my wife, and I, more than several letters, personal letters addressed to us. Now, they don't know who I am. I'm sure they, they don't. And, you know, they, they wrote a personal letter. We've been praying for you, thinking about you. If you're interested in a deeper conversation, please contact us here from different people. And I know that, you know, it's all Jehovah's Witnesses that are doing this. It's a really fascinating, it's another sort of look at, you know, post-COVID era of how people are evangelizing. 
Well, and so here's the paradox, John. The paradox is, while on the one hand, we have to leverage these digital resources. I think post-COVID, the relational is going to be king. I think the programmatic, um, you know, all of the organizational programmatic things uh, are probably going to be less important and the relational pieces are going to be more important. That's why the community church has such a great opportunity here. And what you're describing in terms of people just saying, hey, we're, we're praying for you if you'd like more information, sure. that's, going to, that, that's going to be persuasive for people because coming out of a season of one year of isolation, we're longing for human contact, and we're longing for people to show some degree of empathy. We've been so polarized for the last year that any group that steps forward with genuine, sincere empathy and makes human contact is yeah. going to gain an audience. So it, it's not an either-or. It's not a pendulum swinging one way or the other. It's, it's going to be a both-and, and we've got to come out of this with more uh, desire for genuine human community and, and when digital can help us gain that, then terrific, absolutely. And you, you, you got to move forward with that. But I think it's an opportunity for the church really to um, refine itself as a better means of outreach to our own communities coming out of this whole COVID thing. That's good. That's the Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of America, plus co-founder and former president of EduNations. Thank you, Dean. Great to hear from you. Always great being with you guys. Blessings. Blessings to you as well. Enjoy that sunshine. We'll take a quick break. Come back. It's our daily feature. Does this make sense? We'll talk about that. What makes sense or doesn't make sense? It's the Wednesday edition of the Ride Home, Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. We are Word FM. Well, shockingly, and with great celebration and fanfare, another year in college has come to a close. Grove City College has weathered the storm. And unlike a lot of colleges, Grove City was committed to meeting and teaching in person. Now, of course, in this COVID era, nothing was perfect. And there were illnesses and incidences. And it was a bumpy ride. But the thousands and thousands of students at Grove City College, they made it through. So with some foresight and some wisdom, Grove City continues to meet in person. And Kath and I had students on campus at Grove City. We're proud to say our kids are Grovers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, for any parent of any college student or high school student in particular, I mean, anybody, parent of any age child over the last year and a half, Boy, it has been a real challenge. Mm -hmm. um, I can speak as a parent, as John said, of, of a Grove City student. And I just think, you know, when, when things are as topsy-turvy as they have been, and there's so much uncertainty, it is really a comfort to see that there's an organization that is so well-organized, so well-run, and the decisions they're making, they're doing their best that they would be godly ones. And so as a parent, all I can say is, it's been a great ride in spite of COVID, and the semester is almost over. gcc.edu online. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, 
Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Are you interested in furthering your career in law enforcement? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Criminal Investigation. Our flexible, affordable program for law enforcement professionals is taught by experts from the field. Visit waynesburg.edu. Light of Life's former CEO Craig Schweiger's career has always revolved around home. From Federated Mortgage in Pittsburgh providing mortgages for satisfied homeowners to bringing a new home for our city's homeless, Craig is now providing free education to seniors about reverse mortgages. Listen to Craig's show, Home is Where the Heart Is, where mortgage meets ministry. Saturday, Craig welcomes Philip Spina, who's leading Light of Life's capital campaign, and you'll receive real facts about reverse mortgages for seniors. Home is Where the Heart Is, Saturday mornings at 7 on 101.5 FM, WOR. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Tonight we'll see patchy clouds with a low of 39, some sunshine tomorrow, then turning cloudy and warmer. Expect a high of 60. Considerable clouds tomorrow night with occasional rain and drizzle late, the low 42. Friday will be cool with clouds and breaks of sunshine. We'll see brief morning showers followed by a couple of thunder showers in the afternoon. Thunderstorms can produce small hail. We'll see a high of 54. With your Mackie Weather Forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does that thing there make sense? Does what make sense? What's making sense? The craft single. The craft single cheese slice. Yes. The pasteurized processed cheese food. Well, let me say this. When you're making a burger, aesthetically, you want a piece of cheese on there that's going to melt fully and envelop the burger itself. And that, I believe, is the great invention of the single processed cheese slice wrapped individually. That it does its job to the nth degree. I think there's science in cheese, and I've got no problem with it. It makes sense to me. To me, it makes no sense. What? And here's why. Because you can buy American cheese in a block. Yeah. How hard is it to cut cheese? I mean, really? Are we like it, it's such a precious situation in our yeah, lives well, this that, is we America, can't, that we can't be bothered to cut our American cheese? This is the greatest country in the history of the world. I mean, look, a craft single is the ultimate like nod no, no. to the lazy, appallingly entitled Western mind. Don't even go there. I no, love myself is. a craft single. Seriously. No, it is. It is. Oh, I geez. mean, get yourself a block of cheddar. Uh, if you want to stay American, do it. I have no problem with that. It is a very melty cheese. I agree. But for crying out loud, like we don't need each little minuscule eighth inch slice. Personally, I just think that's a, the Heinz family trying to dump on Kraft. That's Maybe. what I'm just saying that, okay? All I right. still resent them a bit. All right, does this make sense? Went and had uh, my eyes checked. It's been a long time since I've had a new pair of glasses. Optometrist sits me down afterwards. The optometrist says, hey, how about some tinted glasses? What? Like, would you be interested in rose tinted or yellow tinted? I said, Wait. what do you think? I said, sir. Do you think I'm like in an episode of Miami Vice and I'm like dealing coke or something like that? Is that what you're thinking I am? Or, or you're, a, or you're want to be Bono? 
Tinted glasses? What do you think? I'm like some hipster? Just give me a pair of glasses. It's hard enough to see as it is Please, at this age. I beg you. I beg exactly. you. I beg you for tinted glasses. No, it, no, it has to happen. Listen, tinted glasses. Listen, I don't make any sense at I all. Asked, I asked Gary right now if we come back to work and John's wearing tinted glasses and attracts <laughs> will you be upright? Will well, you be upright or will you have passed out on the floor? There'll be no more video. <laughs> I didn't think about the tracksuit with the tinted glasses. No, oh my they God. sort of go hand in hand, don't they? It's a nightmare. Yeah. Tinted glasses, they don't make sense. The transition lenses, you know, sunglasses to regular. It, it always looks kind of crazy. Plus, you had yellow or rose on top of it. WORD. Matthew West is bringing all of his friends to your house. Salem Media Group, in partnership with 48 Live, presents West Friends Fest, May 7th through 9th on your TV or computer. With Micah Tyler, Austin French, I Am Day, and more. West Friends Fest at your house, May 7th through 9th. Get details and tickets now at wordfm.com slash west. So I'd love to show you why using my dad and I's mortgage team and our direct lender advantage could be a big deal by comparing us to one of the greatest places on earth, our local butcher shop. Every time I walk in, they call me by name. The steaks are always fresh because they didn't use some middleman, which also means more value for my dollar. And they're always trying to do the little extras, like an extra pork chop. I'm Ryan, and I think you'll find that our mortgage team is similar. We're small enough to specifically know you and your case, but we're also an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. Our company uses its own money and makes its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. Susie from Underwriting is right down the hall, and she's pretty cool, despite being a Yankees fan. For you, this often allows us to work faster and get you a better rate, which can save you lifelong money. Our extra pork chop is that your appraisal fees are on us, up to $500. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Don't let pests scare off your returning customers. Get the help you need at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Booze 100% Satisfaction Guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. 
doubt and deconstruction. There's some heaviness for you. Eugene Park is with us. Pastor Park is the pastor, associate pastor of True North Church in Palo Alto, California, host of a podcast we love called Off the Pulpit. Eugene, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're pretty good here in Pittsburgh. I mean, we're Always not in California. Yeah, how are things in northern CA? I mean, it's it's like 85 degrees outside, oh, so oh, it's it's great. It. We got the furnace on today, Eugene. Yeah. <laughs> Our heat is on again. I yeah, mean, and that's I broke crazy. my I broke my furnace because I turned because it was cold and I left my windows open and it overheated. It's a yeah, bad crazy. situation here in Pittsburgh. Anyway, Eugene. Um, so f- the word deconstruction means different things to people who are online are living in the digital sphere, Instagram, Twitter, that sort of thing, than it means to people who are just like living in, you know, the world, the the world. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So for people who aren't familiar with what that term means, like in the kind of inside Christian sphere, why don't you let us know about it? Yeah. um, It's it's a a relatively new phrase. I mean, the idea has been around for a while, um, but uh, the current age of deconstruction, as you would call it is uh, a movement of people trying to literally deconstruct their faith, um, whether it be a theological challenge, whether it be an experiential challenge that they face in the church. It's more of a growing, uh, I call tribe of its own. And it's a little different. Um, I think in the early 2000s, there was the new atheist movement that kind of uh, not challenged, but was was kind of part of the church movement that we we had to minister and and deal with. And, And, you know, Tim Keller wrote really two great books about that that helped me a lot but this movement's a little different uh Mm -hmm. for the atheists the new atheist movement they rejected any notion of spirituality but this new movement deconstruction is a lot of people that were part of the church that love the church and and love what it's behind but have been hurt in some way or form and have fallen away from organized religion and what they call that is deconstruction that i still believe in a higher being i still believe in being spiritual but the organized Orthodox faith, I have some issues with. And, and that's kind of what's deemed, I think, deconstruction of the day. So is it fair to say that people tear it down and then build it back up again, but it's a different, it's a different animal or it's a different vehicle in that re- rebuilding? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, one thing that I, there's been a lot of chatter about the deconstruction movement, a lot of criticism, too. Uh, I actually am one, even as a pastor, that uh, empathizes and understands the movement. I think it's a day of reckoning for the evangelical church. A lot of these people that are deconstructing have legitimate hurts, yeah. um, whether it be spiritual abuse, maybe even sexual abuse, maybe even the mistreatment of, of females in the church or even the LGBT community. But the problem is, I think, with the major deconstruction tribe is what John mentioned. They're not reconstructing. Um, all they're doing is deconstructing and taking away block after block after block. And the thing is, when you only make that your whole goal, there's nothing that's going to be left that you're standing on, um, which is an issue that I do have. And, and although I do see some people that have tried to reconstruct their way back to church, and I find those people that come back um, to be believers that have their faith much more fortified, almost yeah. like Apostle Thomas. Mm-hmm. Now, so, you know, I've followed a lot of these deconstruction stories as you have, Eugene, and sure. Um, you know, another thing that's conspicuously absent from it, but I understand that, that it can be a process, but there is, um, in any kind of angst filled relationship, it could be a marriage. It could be something with your parents. It could be with a culture or a community or whatever. If you are feeling like you have been oppressed 
or you've been even abused to take it a step further. Um, it's important to say, to acknowledge it. It's important to say it out loud. It's important to, to speak that to people in your community who understand you and who sure. understand the truth of it and can acknowledge the truth of it and give you a, you know, a nod. I see you. I hear your story. I see you. Sure. Um, but then there's a point where there has to be forgiveness. There has to be an extension of the gospel that is like living and working in that relationship, right? And it's very hard. I'm not saying that it's the kind of thing that you can snap your fingers and say, oh, I forgive everybody. It's no big that That sexual abuse I suffered at that church, no big deal. It's not that. Um, however, it still is a reality. And it's a reality that uh, Jesus demands that we learn to live into. Um, and I'm not, I'm not professing a, a, a step-by-step path forward, but I am saying that I know that the gospel demands it. And I'm, and sometimes I don't see that in the deconstruction movement. Yeah. I I think that's really true. Um, I do think that there is a, Oh, I want to be careful. Do I say, but an overemphasis on justice in in a lot of levels that kind of Mm -hmm. ignores what you call reconciliation forgiveness. The only counterpoint that I might add is that, there is no space given for this doubt or reconciliation of abuse on the evangelical church side. And I speak this as a pastor and that's why I empathize with a lot in the movement yeah. Yeah, I can because they might ask for forgiveness, but any mention of abuse is covered up. Any mention of some sort of scandal that they're uncomfortable with, they're suppressed. And the people that I've talked to that are honest about the deconstruction, they don't feel heard. And the only place to be heard is this new tribe forming. So that's where I empathize. And I think it's more of a day of reckoning for the church that we need to learn how to speak about these issues. And that, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we abused, uh, if pastors have abused members that we need to own up to that as pastors in the church and also give space for that forgiveness to happen on the other side, because I think the onus is on us if there is abuse or hurt sure, of course or damage. It is. Oh, yeah, so, for yeah. sure. And, and, and I think that's I think that's an essential element um, and, and I appreciate the way you're saying it's a day of reckoning because, you know, when you are, um, you know, when you're a church leader, there are a lot of things, and you know this from being a pastor, and I'm just speaking about this from my perspective as a worship leader, but because the pace is so quick, um, things can happen quickly that you don't even recognize the import of until later. And I'm not talking about sexual abuse. I'm just talking about just hurt feelings or, mm. you know, or people feeling uh, minimized or people feeling, you know, pushed off to the side or whatever, those things happen really quickly. And if you're not willing to be the person who says, I should not have done that, I treated you badly. That's my fault. Will you forgive me? Then you're right. There's no way forward. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, as I say that though, there is a lot of things that concern me about the deconstruction tribe. I think it's becoming capitalized, meaning that their people are profiting. I mean, and that's true on any side. Right. But there's podcasts being formed, you know, every deconstruction post from a major celebrity is the same thing, which really bothers me. It's always a back turn into the lake or a forest and saying this is this is a true <laughs> self. Brett McCracken, a friend, points that out. And I'm like, yeah. it's so true that, you know, you're deconstructing and you think you're going to this greener pasture side. But it's 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 almost the same on the other side, meaning that there's problems on both sides. And, and no one on this earth has a perfect answer other than point to Christ, which I think you alluded to. And that's it, right? I mean, nobody has a perfect answer, but everybody's got grievances. Everybody's pointing the finger, right? I mean, pick your tribe. Everyone's upset. Everyone's disgruntled. So as a pastor, Eugene, what's that like? I mean, the pastor is juggling X number of balls in the air, 
thinking about the church, about the gospel, about, you know, all this. And then all of a sudden, the deconstruction ball is thrown into the mix as well, and you're juggling something else. Now, most people aren't even equipped to deal with this conversation, let alone to dive deeper into it, and then let alone to look at the people who are offended, who are stepped away or whatever, and try to envelop them in that path backwards. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a lot to juggle. And oh, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, I think COVID has accelerated the deconstruction of a lot of believers. If I could speak to pastors as someone that's with a congregation of people that are going through this too, uh, a couple of tips that have helped me, and I'm not an expert, but just to listen, um, I, I think the people in the deconstruction tribe, they're so used to being told to or preached at. And I think often, even as a pastor, that's my first mm, gun I draw. Like, oh, hey, here's a book. Here's a talk. You know, I can solve all your existential problems right, right, or your experiential right. problems. But I think just to listen as a minister uh, is extremely important to, to kind of minister to people who are deconstructing. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's wise. The, let me just go back to the pastor thing for a minute. Again, I know I've brought this up with you before, but it's just I just saw another thing about it online last night about how many people who are currently pastors working in the pastorate are looking for other jobs. And I don't mean other churches, but they're looking to get out of Dodge, like, yeah. you know, work at Home Depot. It's Amazon, yeah. it's Amazon hiring, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, you know, from your perspective on that, Eugene, I don't, I don't know what I'm asking you, but you want to weigh in? Um. I mean, it, it's being a pastor. If anyone's going into the pastorate, that, that's a huge uh, a commend, commendation or applause I'd give them. And I think for pastors that are in the grind right now, to give a perspective, is we're juggling 8,000 things that John mentioned with an unclear future. And it's not a surprise to me that a lot of people are leaving. And I think, again, this points to a bigger problem of the church as a whole, that it's become so corporate that people look for not ministers, but executives. People mm-hmm. look not for preachers, but for TED Talk speakers, you know, and we can't do that. We don't have sociology degrees. Uh, we, we're not, we can't be on Twitter every day or we shouldn't be like I, I'm on Twitter a little bit too much. But um, I, I do think it's a bigger problem of the church as a whole, that there are a lot of cultural issues that we need to address as the American evangelical church. And a lot of it is we're turning more corporate than we should be when we're called to mm-hmm. be simply a church. Um, and I think the pastors now are, are, are dealing with that burden on their backs out and deconstruction. Eugene, it's always a pleasure. You raise a lot of different uh, interesting questions. Thanks as always for your time here. No, thank you guys. Eugene Park, Associate Pastor of True North Church, Palo Alto, California. Do yourself a favor. If you're a podcasting lover, check out Off the Pulpit. That's Eugene Park and his friends, Off the Pulpit. Take a quick break, come back. We'll get a little more ahead. It's the Ride Home with Johnny Caffey, Pittsburgh's Christian Talk, Word FM. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. Do you have a special event coming up in your life? A shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods? Then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3333. 
From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm-fresh catering from the Springhouse. Impact Mortgage Corp. DBA Cash Call Mortgage. NMLS ID 128231 Equal Housing Lender. Not licensed in all states, including New York. Copper Basin loans over $200,000. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. What's even better than a low, low refi mortgage rate in the twos? How about a no-closing-cost refi in the twos? That's exactly what you could get when you call Cash Call Mortgage. For a limited time at Cash Call Mortgage, we're waiving all our fees to any borrower who locks in a rate with us. That's right, a true no-closing-cost mortgage loan. But you need to call now before this offer expires. If you have an interest rate above 2.25%, Cash Call Mortgage could lower your interest rate and save you a lot of cash. What are you waiting for? With super low rates and no closing costs, now's the time to refinance your mortgage. For a free quote to see if you qualify, apply online at cashcallmortgage.com or call us today at 800-931-6651. That's 800-931-6651. 800-931-6651. The Original Mattress Factory is always looking for good people to join our team. If you're interested in a sales, manufacturing, or delivery position, we offer competitive pay and exceptional benefits packages. Integrity and strong work ethic are essential because at OMF, we strive for excellence in all that we do. To learn more about our company and our unique business model, visit us at OriginalMattress.com. You can stop by any of our locations or visit the employment section on OriginalMattress.com to complete an application. Welcome back to Customize and Save with Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, the game show where you only pay for what you need. And we're out of time. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Are you interested in furthering your career in law enforcement? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Criminal Investigation. Our flexible, affordable program for law enforcement professionals is taught by experts from the field. Visit waynesburg.edu. funny what you remember in your life i remember very clearly mr paul who was my elementary school uh, custodian and in high school our custodian was a guy named ross well i'm reading today about uh, school custodians and from north allegheny intermediate school a man by the name of mike heary h-e-i-r-y mike heary he was um he is now the school custodian of the year the title was bestowed upon him from Sintas, which is a Cincinnati-based cleaning products company. So Mike Heary, he himself, uh, 53 years old from Shaler, gets $10,000. Wow. He beat out thousands of entrants around uh, the country. So congratulations to the school custodian of the year. That is so fabulous. That cool? Do you remember your school custodian? Sure. I remember my school custodian from elementary school, but not from high school. I remember my church custodian a lot, Ray, who I love, love Ray. Um, But yeah, I mean, those are the people that keep the place going. Heck yeah. There is no question about it. Absolutely no question about it. Now, I live close to my elementary school. Mm -hmm. It's just up the street. And that's where I vote. So I'm in 
that building, you know, really, multiple I'd love to go years. to my elementary school. I, I dream about my elementary school. Now, is your elementary school still around? It's closed. Is it? The building is still there, but I want to walk those halls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I want to go to the all purpose room. I want to see those classrooms. I, I dream really, about it. I really like it. You know how they say that smell is your the sense, sense memory. That's, that's most linked to your memory. Yeah. I can actually like in my head almost conjure up the smell of my <laughs> elementary school. It smells different now because it's been remodeled, but I remember the original yes. smell. Thanks to the custodian, probably exactly. in those you know, cleaning That's... supplies that they had. You are so right. Yes, more unsung heroes, the school custodian. Hey, thanks for being with us. The podcast is up and running after we leave the air. The ride home with John and Kathy on Facebook, johnandcathyshow.com. See you tomorrow, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.